everybody, David West here. Today, we are having a special episode, an anniversary episode. We will be doing two previously unreleased interviews that are both relevant to things today, sort of. Uh, the first one will be with John Bernthal of Walking Dead fame, and he is, of course, now the Punisher. This was recorded in, well, in Chicago at C2E2 in 2011. So about a year before we started the podcast. And the second is also from that summer. I believe it was that summer. It'll be with uh, Clay Enos, who we've had on the show before, who is the set photographer for Zack Snyder. So this is a secret origins of kind of epic show. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy guy, I feel real lucky. 
people in the south have been really accommodating for you guys too. In the south? In, in Atlanta, where yeah, you guys sure. essentially shut down the city for a lot of the buildings. Yeah, yeah, uh, how, yeah. How, uh, how much time did you guys really have uh, with, the, with a lot of those settings? In, in in Atlanta, yeah, I mean, they did. They closed down the city, you know. They closed down, like, I think it was like five or six blocks of downtown Atlanta. Um, the people of Atlanta are great. It's a great place to shoot. Our Atlanta-based crew is probably the best crew I've ever worked with in film or television. Uh, they are, um, they're so game, they're so gung-ho, uh, they're down for the show, and everybody believes in it, I mean, it's the same thing, there's no, you know, from, from the producers, the writers, the cast, the crew, um, the zombies, everybody, everybody is, everybody's there because they really, really want to be there, everybody's just working their asses off, and it's a cool, it's, it's just a really great environment to, to work in, you know? <laughs> Talking about a great environment to work in. Obviously, on AMC is, is where you guys might have a pretty happy home. But, and do you think that this kind of television is, is something that you could even see on, on, on network today? Or? No. I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, AMC is a place that I really, really wanted to work at before this came around. Uh, Mad Men and Breaking Bad were my two favorite shows on television. I love Rubicon. James Badgedale is a good buddy of mine. I think he's one of the best young actors working today. And... Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing place to work. I think unlike a lot of network television, I think AMC has figured out how to find great artists, find great material, and then really stay out of the way in terms of the creative process. They're unbelievable in terms of marketing and publicity, and they have unbelievable taste. But, you know, I've, I've had experiences before where a lot of network people kind of come in and, and, and they, they they can mess it up sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. um, uh, you know, AMC doesn't do that. Um, they, and uh, I think that uh, I think that that's great. And uh, yeah, I'm a, it's a real honor to work there. It's a real, it's it's unbelievably humbling. And and, and the company that we are um, that we keep, you know, with with Mad Men and Breaking Bad, you know, two of the best shows on television, and, and unbelievable writing, unbelievable acting. So yeah, it's a, and and you know, I'm, on Monday I'm going to the premiere of The Killing. Which is the new AMC show, and I just I read that script. Those are the two scripts I read last year that just blew everything else out of it. There's that and Walking Dead. Walking Dead is the best. Um, so yeah, so, but, um, do you, I mean that's a good point because do you have any cross pollination in terms of what you guys do um, at AMC? I mean, I mean, not that we would expect to see John Hammond as zombie on the show. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I mean that's the thing. I mean that's that's what I'm really psyched about in in terms of this show. I think that we have been able to kind of tap into it a little bit. The Mad Men audience, which is just so badass that a zombie show can, you know, attract a period piece from a 1960s advertising agency, you know, and and, and uh, you know, I think again, it speaks to the network. I think as I think HBO, as it was on HBO, I think with The Sopranos and with Six Feet Under and you know, Six in the City and Entourage and, and sort of the heyday, you know, people would watch anything that was on HBO. It's an HBO series, let's give it a shot. And I think uh, AMC has really, uh, you know, learned something from that. And, and, and I, I think that's where they're at now. And uh, yeah, I, sh I sure as hell would watch anything they produce right now. Did you do any uh, research in terms of uh, preparing for the, the role? Did you do any walkthroughs or walk-ons with, uh, with some police officers? Or you know, ride-alongs? Uh, yeah, you know, I did. You know, uh, for this, um, there was a police officer on set that we talked to. Um, you know, I just finished a movie uh, called Rampart about the LAPD in uh, the 90s. It's uh, directed by Warren Moverman, who I think is one of the finest directors working today. He did that movie, The Messenger, which was nominated for an Oscar. He's amazing. Woody Harrelson, amazing. 
showed me a side of LA that I did not know existed. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty badass. That's great. I think it was really ingratiating too because I have a lot of family from, from Kentucky. <laughs> to see you guys actually, the not only is the, the hero from, from Kentucky, but yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. are, are pretty badass. You got to pack in the first, from the first uh, the episode, and then of course you guys had the, had the survivors of pretty much the whole apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty Kentucky people, man. Yeah, yeah, right on. Right on. Robert, quick shout out there. But um, one of the, the big things, obviously, is, is why you're here at the convention and what you guys have been able to reveal and, and promote. And uh, can you give the, the fans here a little taste of what you guys uh, were able to talk about at the panel yesterday? We talked about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just mean in, in regards to, to the next season, what people and fans can expect. Yeah, you know, I look. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be incredibly dark. I think the people are gonna become more and more dangerous to each other. Um, I think the zombies will become less dangerous um, as as it sort of goes with the book. But I have no idea what's gonna happen. I can't wait to crack open the first script and find out for myself. But. Um, I know it is going to be good. You know, I know that they, they they took their time for a reason. Um, it's all to ensure the quality. Uh, Frank Darabont will not deliver anything that will disappoint. He is the man, and uh, we're all we're all just as eagerly. Uh, we're anticipating this with the same fervor and energy and excitement as the fans are. We can't wait to get started. We did hear that there was a little bit of talk about uh, Herschel's farm. Herschel's farm and, uh, be talking out of my ass if I said it. I, I, I think that'd be great, and I hope that that's where we go, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a dancing monkey, man. They give me lines to say and places to stand, and I just do it. Yeah, Rampart started yeah. the dancing monkey. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, that's, that's that's something that's way above my pay grade. i got to say, it's, it's always a good chance to, to talk to you. Right on, man. To, to really see if uh, there was anything else you wanted to add in closing about, I mean, you talked about Rampart, but uh, what else do you, do you have in the pipeline here? What are you going to be working on the next couple of months or years? You know, that that's really it, you know, I did this, uh, I got a little baby on the way, which is pretty cool, you know, coming July down in Atlanta, you know, I go back just in a, in a little bit, um, so that's it, man, I'm, I'm going back to work on season two, um, and uh, I'm just really excited for that, man. Well, man, really appreciate your time. Thanks, like, buddy. We were able to grab you here at the, the last day of the con, we were kind of sweating for a bit there. <laughs> Can you do a little tag for us? What do you got? Man, guys, don't know if you can tell, but that was, uh... It was one of our very first interviews that we had done on that kind of scale. So I hope you guys enjoyed. It takes a it takes you to a different time, doesn't it? Uh, going back five years. He was still on The Walking Dead at the time. So that what does that tell you? Between seasons one and two, holy crap, how far has the show come? All right, now uh, you'll get to hear a longer interview with Clay Enos. Hello, Dave. How are you? <laughs> Very well. I, I take it this is Clay. Yes, it is. And, and not Matt this time, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but no, appreciate your time so... so you know, I'm, I was just having lunch with a friend in a little deli, and I haven't said goodbye to him, so at some point he, he, goes, he just ordered something for his girlfriend. When he, uh, when he walks out, I'm going to just interrupt to say goodbye. Oh, no, I, I absolutely understand. And, and again, I just wanted yeah. to let, let you know that we're kind of recording this for the, the transcript purposes. I think I told you that uh, in, in the conflict. 
uh, last time. And, and so just, I mean, feel free to be uh, as loud as possible <laughs> and uh, so we get everything accurately here. And, and again, I just want to say thank you for, for your time and uh, for, for talking to me uh, last week as well. And obviously for the coffee, uh, I'm going to say that it was a really good sampling that, that you sent out. And the only thing I haven't yet to try is in the pot right now, the uh, Costa Rican single origin. So I, I may be slightly wired for the interview, but I think that's probably appropriate talking to somebody who owns a coffee company. And what, all right, awesome. So what, what? How do you deal with uh, with with being around that much caffeine? Or <laughs> what, how, how do, what does it feel like to, to run a coffee company? One of the fun things about coffee is it's a very personal thing. So so I you know you can enjoy it on levels way outside just just drinking it. <laughs> and and otherwise I'm I keep my caffeine. You know I I have a a cu- two cups in the morning, and that's pretty much it. Every once in a while, if it's going to be a social event, you know, or meeting up with friends later in the day, then then sure there might be some coffee. But otherwise, I, I keep my I keep my caffeination within parameters. <laughs> well, definitely appreciate that. I got to say, of, of my favorite, uh, I was already an addict, so I, I probably should have saved this to sample at a later date. Was the uh, the night owl uh, dark roast, and uh, obviously Hi. one of the. I mean, I, the first time I'd order it was was when you had the uh, the separate night owl dark roast um, that came in the the very interesting packaging, and I know that was one of the things that um, that you kind of wanted to, um, to to shift here recently. Uh, is is you went from. Um, kind of the tin and and steel uh, cans to um, to making a, a paper or a lot easier uh, to, to handle. Um, what, what kind of motivated that decision, and and uh, how how has that helped out the the company? Well, I mean, originally when I was when I first started it, the cans. Well, I just thought we'd be selling a lot more coffee, and uh, and the cans had their allure on on several reasons or on several levels, but it turned out to be really impractical too much cap upfront capital and for a small business just starting out you know capital is always at a premium also if, if sales aren't you have to print 10,000 cans at a time wow <laughs> that's a lot of coffee so instead with these sleeves I can I can essentially you know I can keep it much more nimble and and I can print as many sleeves as I need, and I keep the numbers small. So is it so, more is it more functioning on on an order on demand basis now, or is that a model that's working really well for you guys? Um, yeah, it, it basically I'll print you know a hundred to fifty, sometimes just twenty five sleeves, and when an order comes in, then I'm working with a roaster who's got his coffees ready to go, and we can. You know, it keeps it fresher. Everything about it is just better and more nimble. And one of the, the interesting things you talked to me uh, about before in terms uh, of... Uh, hey, hold on. Hey, Gabe, Gabe you Oh, go ahead. Feel free to go ahead and interrupt. Uh, my friend here for a second. Uh, of course. Take, take your time. time. Yeah, I will. And then you said third week of February you're going to be in New York? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll be there March 1st. I don't know if you're going to be able. I get a March 1st to the 8th. Uh, no, maybe not. Okay. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, I'm always thirsty. All right, good. Yeah, I would love it. Love it. All right, see you, Tracy. Okay, sorry, Gabe. No, nothing was, to apologize um, for. It's actually Tracy, Tracy Allen from a company called Brewed Behavior, as in birth coffee brew. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a, he used to run Zoco. 
So I'm, I almost got a double shot with this interview. He sits, on the, he sits as a judge in the barista competitions and all kinds of that's pretty awesome. Like I said, I almost got a double shot with the interview if I had a chance to, to nab both of you guys. <laughs> right, right. Now, he's, a, he's a super neat guy, and while we met through coffee, it's much more of a, it's just a friendship right now. He's in a, he runs in very different circles than, than mine, but he... Uh, he appreciates my business. When he, you, you talked cool. about you talked about kind of the personal relationships that you, you built with coffee and what it meant to you as, as a as a person. And I was kind of interested in, in finding out what was that that trip that you talked about, or, or what was it that kind of spurred your interest. I know you said you like to link coffee to adventure for you, and uh, that before you took your Vespa down to, to Central America, that uh, you'd had a similar trip to, to see kind of the coffee production uh, before. And I was wondering if you could tell us what that was like. Well, you know there. As a photographer, I'm asked to shoot a lot of things and to go to different places to make photographs. And uh, I just happened to have met a woman who was a, at the time was a coffee journalist working for a coffee trade magazine. And she had been invited to origin, as they refer to it, going to where coffee is grown, by a importer. And she said to the importer, you know, you should probably bring a photographer. And he said, well, you know, we can't really afford to have a photographer. And she said, ask him anyway. I bet he'd come. You know, I bet he'd do it for the plane ticket. Because she knew me well enough that that's exactly what I would do. And it turns out that on that trip is, is first of all, this progressive importer, this, this lovely journalist, the coffee buyer for Whole Foods, the, um, the coffee buyer and the head of... Uh, counterculture coffee out out east and of uh, tailor-made farms out west uh, mark inman who, who later became the president of the specialty coffee association of america so it was quite a an illustrious bunch of sort of coffee luminaries and here i am essentially learning about coffee and coffee origins from from the finest voices and uh you know producers if you will roasters that that the world's got and i and i was just blown away by their progressive thinking by their real care for quality and the families and farmers it was just a real impressive display of business needing social responsibility uh I, i was yeah i mean i don't I wasn't even a coffee drinker at the time, <laughs> but but it was I was inspired, sort of, to become one because essentially you you spoil yourself, as I say, by drinking better coffee, and by extension, you're you're sort of helping the world economy chug along, uh, and that's a rare thing. Having been the son of a wine importer, I felt a certain sort of kindred, a familiar spirit to what was happening, that a beverage from a place by a people, by a specific people. Uh, and my dad imported small sort of family wineries, so these were families growing coffee. Well, that's, that's actually something uh, now, I wanted to ask you about. The difference, about. of course, is nobody, nobody in the coffee, I mean, nobody in the wine world needs our help to some extent, right? The chateaus of France <laughs> are not the remote farming villages of Oaxaca, Mexico. <laughs> no. Not yet, anyway. I mean, maybe if this thing goes well, in, in terms of if we all start to recognize and pay accordingly for our coffees, we can start to shift that. And that these today's, today's brick homes 
will one day be the marble palaces. <laughs> that's a very good hope, and I got to say that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you is because uh, obviously uh, a lot of people don't put um, stock into into what they they drink. They don't really think um, they're really looking for convenience a lot of the times. You talk about the twenty four seven availability of, of a barista, or, or just be able to go through a drive through and, and get a cup of coffee, or go to a, uh, a convenience store, or even uh, just a, a gas station to pick up a, a cup. And it's kind of what keeps a, a lot of the people going, and they don't think about the the faces and, and names of the people that produce it. And uh, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is your uh, recent trip, uh, again, to, to Central America to, to do that, to kind of put a name and a face to uh, to those people. And I think that's probably an important first step in, in kind of getting them that, that sweat equity you're talking about or getting them a kind of payment for, for the, the quality products that they have. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a tricky thing because coffee has grown far away. So I understand if everybody doesn't have a chance to go, you know, as easy it is to go visit so your local winery, right? There's probably wine grown in every state in the nation these days. But Even here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really, it's true, right? Because it's the nature of technology and refrigeration and, and the general science of winemaking. But, but coffee still requires certain latitudinal, uh, you know, requ- has latitudinal requirements and altitude requirements uh, for quality coffee. Mm. So I'm privileged to be able to go to those places. And then I feel a responsibility as a photographer to then share that, those images, and to potentially, if you're so, if you're that interested, to find out a little more about your coffee. You know, that, of course, runs in the face of most people are just kind of addicted to their coffee. They're not paying much attention to it. They're, They're just trusting that Starbucks or their favorite little shop is purchasing accordingly. They're looking for the fair trade or the organic logo to, to make themselves feel, you know, reassured. Uh, only a select few are, are really, you know, going that extra step. And for whatever reason, coffee carries that burden almost uh, in a distorted way. One doesn't ask about fair trade bananas much, or you know. But for some reason, coffee's logo, you know, top to bottom, some bags. And, and I think there's something in the nature of coffee preparation that it's one of the few foods we still prepare for ourselves. Mm. You know, every once in a while, if we're if we're not doing the you know chain coffees, and I think that connection with the rituals of preparation creates an added concern for where is this coming from. The same way a chef or someone who bakes pays a little more attention to the, the eggs and flour and what have you that they're putting into their creation. Most of us aren't baking. Most of yeah. us aren't even you know, preparing our food. We're, we're fast-fooding it or what have you, delying it. Coffee still holds this kind of ritual of creation for those who... who who you know care, and it's just a logical next step to then offer them a glimpse into where these beans are coming from. That was a super long question. Yes, it was. <laughs> but I got to say, that's that's what I was hoping to hear from you, though, is is that people uh, don't get a, a chance to do a, a lot of long form uh, answers. They don't always get to um, to fit the idea of. I mean, like you say, free trade and, and things like that. They essentially 
are very good logos, and and so you don't have to really associate anything other than the thirty second sound bite or or the info that's on the back of the box for a consumer. So when they get a little bit more out of it, uh, hopefully that's that's a big added benefit. So if it's a two minute answer, that's much more helpful, <laughs> so that they kind of understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these operations, they serve their purpose. I'm really not, I'm, I want to sort of go past it, right? You, um, you, don't, you don't have any logos healing your relationship with your clients, you know? I mean, no one, <laughs> half the work you've ever done in your life or whatever is done on a handshake and an agreement. I don't, I don't, you don't screw your friends or your business partners. And the nature, coffee being a far sort of a larger thing than anything we individually could engage, there's plenty of exploitation. I get it. But that tends to be done by faceless monster corporations, not by small independent roasters like myself. Uh, We are dependent and beholden to the relationships we have with our producers, importers, and the like. Uh, that is an economic reality, but it's also a real pleasure. Uh, I don't want to be facelessly disconnected from any piece of my supply chain. Uh, the supply chain to me is where all of the fun happens, where all the relationships exist. Uh, and uh, to, to insert some, somebody's third-party verification of that just seems somewhat insulting. So it's, it's, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. Once once we scale to larger places, that you know the fair trade Starbucks something or other is going to be handy for folks, but not for me. So it's the the idea is, is less about um, uh, creating a standard than it is is working with the the individuals to to try and decide what is I mean best for them. As you say, it's you, you don't want it to be uh, that set price because even even so, it's it's still rather low by by global standards, especially even other industries like chocolate or, or some of the uh, or tea or some of the other places that that do use that standard. Um, you see a lot of uh, stability, which is good, but there's still. In a developing country, they're not getting, as you say, those wine region prices, even though it's it's a similar no, product. Yeah, I mean, well, look, we've doubled the price of coffee in the past year, and that's a great thing. Uh, I don't, and that for for numerous reasons, but it's still a bargain, and I think that we should all acknowledge that. And and if fair trade says pay an extra ten cents, how about we pay another dollar? Like, give me a break, ten cents. And meanwhile, that ten cents. So they're skimming off their part of it to run their offices. It's all this. It starts to be a bureaucracy in the middle of something that that, that existed to avoid exploitation, but now seems to not be able to get out of the way. So I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm I'm I don't want to badmouth all these third party certifiers. I just feel like. That we we lose touch with the trust and the relationships if we depend on them. 
It's definitely appreciated. And as I said, uh, definitely good to have more than just that 30 second soundbite because I think a lot of people would scratch their heads like, because they are accustomed to, to that. And then once you get closer to the means of production, you understand a lot better about the people. And uh, again, I, I kind of wanted to go back to some of those personal relationships. And, and I know you were having lunch with a, a good friend there. And um, one of the more interesting friendships that you, you talked about uh, over the phone with me, and uh, I think people are aware of it, is the one that you have with Zack Snyder. And I'd be kind of miss if I, I didn't ask about um, uh, your work on on uh, his two uh, previous films here, Watchmen and uh, of Sucker Punch, and uh, if you, there was anything that you wanted to uh, let our audience know about that, or, or uh, maybe even something that the Organic Coffee Cartel is doing with them. You know, I mean, the, the world of celebrity has its, um, <laughs> it gets people's attention, and yes, I, I run in certain Hollywood circles. And consider my friends some of the more, you know, some of the, of the visionaries, <laughs> like Zach. In fact, I was just at his office, and I'm on my way back there, uh, as a handshake was just had to work on his next film. So, um, I, I uh, you know, in terms of coffee, it, he's going to hopefully design a, a sleeve for us, so I'm excited about that. And it gets me thinking that it'll be fun to sort of explore and mine some of those Hollywood circles to see if there's other visually um, gifted folks who'd like to sleeves for me. But in terms of, yeah, I mean, look, Hollywood, any business, coffee business, just about everything in life is based on relationships for me. It's, um, it isn't necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And I guess the caveat is not to rest on those laurels, but to actually, you know, step up and work, work your network. And, and you know, don't disappoint. No, obviously. <laughs> There's added incentive, though, right? I mean, sure, I've gotten, I, I, knowing Zach and his wife has offered me an amazing opportunity to work on some remarkable films and, and more on deck. Well, that's great, and I'm glad to hear it. Like, as you I, say, I it's, it's a growing back. relationship. I feel like I get asked back because I work my ass off for them. And, and I work my ass off because they're my friends, not because it's some, you know, celebrity-filled gig. Well, most of the, the people that you shot in uh, Watchmen portraits were not the celebrities. I mean, it was just kind of the average, everyday uh, occurrences behind the scene. Of course, all the stars were there, but uh, especially kind of the, the shots with Billy Crudup and some of those folks, it's it's them before they're in their makeup or, or when they're, I mean, you got you see what he's like when he's not uh, the green screen character, which is interesting. And so it's the perspective you can only get on set. And I think that that was what made that more interesting for, for me, at least. Yeah, and in fact, in that spread, the, the gentleman opposite him is the guy in charge of visual effects. I think, I think in that book, you know, and it's a theme that sort of runs through my, my sensibilities, there is, I am fascinated by the unsung heroes. Uh, so in that book, it, there's an obvious pun in terms of superheroes and the unsung hero, but I, even with coffee, right, you can... The barista, the world champion barista, or or your, you know, mega corporation, can 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 bask in the limelight of, you know, millions of anonymous farmers. And I'm I am far more interested in. And there's a lot more to photograph <laughs> when you dig out, get past the fanfare. Admittedly, the so, so while with whether it's Hollywood or or um. You know, 
Las Lajas. <laughs> Costa Rica. It's Costa Rica, really, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. I gotta say that one of the the interesting things uh, in looking at your background is that the first step was was exactly that what you called the the street photography, and um, yeah, what how what is it like to just set up a, a studio uh, on, on a street corner uh, essentially and, and have people run in? I mean, how do you pick out or, or select or, or do you even select the people that come through? Well, I think you know, like it, no, I don't select. I mean, you're observant depending on how crowded or busy the street is. You you. You might reject a few for some, you know, big obvious logos on their shirt or something. But generally, if there was a line, and it, sometimes there was to be photographed, you just found the best in anybody. You, you teed in on what what you were attracted to. That was a, you know, that same love affair that I brought to street photography. I bring to all my photography. Uh, and and the wonderful thing about the medium of photography is it allows you to kind of express your love very very sort of viscerally. <laughs> Whether they're a total stranger or someone you know well, uh, and it's also why I encourage everyone to make photographs because because the the device taps into your heart uh, instantly, and and uh, you and I could sit on the same street corner and make totally separate pictures of the exact same people in the exact same condition. That's a pretty remarkable thing. I would have to agree well, on that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean nowadays everyone has a everyone does have a camera and their telephone. I would imagine that was making it more complicated on on set as well, <laughs> because you, you had uh, in terms of of taking the photos for for a, a movie. Do, do you see that, or do people pull out the the cameras when you're on set as well? Or are they trying to commemorate yeah, I mean, themselves? Like, uh, depending on the film, but um, I assure you, every effort is made to keep that to a minimum. There, there oh, yes. <laughs> there's too much money at stake for leaked images to get out. That is that is very oh. true. I imagine you'd have to you, you got a point of, of privilege to be able to walk around candidly with the with the camera. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, look, there's a there are a lot of cameras on set, but everyone this is a job for people. They don't want to lose their job for for a you know a simple an indiscretion of that magnitude. Everyone's pretty professional in the movie business. You know, that similarly, their Wall Street folks aren't leaking insider information, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone has their secrets, and uh, it just happens that photographs are, uh, you know, high value in this business. Well, I can definitely understand it, as you say, with the leaks and indiscretions, if you don't want to talk too terribly much. But, I mean, what, what is it that you, you did get to do on, on this most recent film with, with Sucker Punch? Or what, I saw a lot of the, the really interesting uh, shots, uh, especially from the uh, the promotional angle uh, for, gosh, Entertainment Weekly and a couple of other places. And, uh, I mean, what, what, what is it that you've been doing on set, uh, since this does seem to be kind of a little bit more like 300? Is it is a lot like a practical sets, or are you just doing a lot of digital uh, mimicry? It was here? a good mix of practical and green screen it was it was a really fun movie it was super rich and colorful and textured and and so my responsibilities involved all the standard promotional stuff but i just had the just earlier today saw the um an advanced copy of the book that's being produced the art of sucker punch that's pretty that's pretty chock full of my photographs so that's really terrific there's actually even a picture of me in it Oh wow! <laughs> did yeah, did you do that yourself? Taken by Abby. Abby Cornish took the picture. She she's a photographer herself, and so every once in a while she'd ask to borrow my camera, and I'd obviously gladly hand it over to her. 
and sure enough, the picture that she snaps of me taking pictures is in the book. <laughs> that's great. Right away, so, so that's what I do. I mean, that's my time on set is it's part family reunion and some to some extent, you know, being back with with the filmmakers and the crew. Uh, we're, both movies were made in Vancouver, and the third is set to do so as well. Um, and then it's part pure publicity, working, taking care of the needs of Warner Brothers. And, uh, and maybe uh, thirdly is taking care of any kind of potential book needs and getting a little more behind the scenes and nitty-gritty. And fourth is probably my own personal interest in just being in this remarkable place and engaging it the way I would any exotic land. <laughs> so there's a little bit of, of your travels in, in, on the set as well. So you, you, it kind of digs a lot, lot of experience with a, a Vespa all the way through an entire continent, really. <laughs> and then you're able to, to shoot pretty much anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I mean in the end, if, if we think of photography as this accessible medium to express your love of things and to sort of make your love manifest, right, in, a, in, a, in pixels, then, then whether I'm sitting on a Vespa or on the back lot of a movie set, there's no difference. If I'm moving with the love and curiosity, then I think it should present itself uh, the same way. Look, I mean, the, the trick with movie making is it's so, it's a huge time commitment, right? It's, um, it's, slow, it's a slow-moving boat. So the key with that is just to keep your interest up day after day after day. Uh, on a Vespa or, you know, adventuring, you tend to be moving along. <laughs> yeah, no motivation, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're pretty excited well, by the surroundings. It, imagine if I had to spend all day on a construction set. That, that starts to feel like that's a challenge. So it, but I rise to it. I rise to that challenge. I gotta say, what it's incredible though that you do have uh, the chance. You say you work your ass off and you, and you earn the the chance to to come back and do this. But it, it seems like a really interesting again relationship with with Warner Brothers to create an entire book to accompany uh, a film. That there's there is that that interest uh, from from the public that they do want to know what was behind the scenes. And you you actually created some admittedly an iconic photograph because when you were doing Watchmen that was a visual medium in and of itself and I can admit to being a bit of a fanboy I was even on the uh, Rotten Tomatoes episode for that review <laughs> but the uh, you created the the Watchmen photograph that's in the the book and and in the film and and of course it was splattered across all sorts of screens everywhere and I gotta say how did you approach that when you know that there's a lot of a uh, love or interest in in the actual image that you need to create or when it's one that's kind of laid out for you well, I mean, look, every single photograph in that movie I made with the newspaper clippings, it's, it's really kind of wild. Uh, the picture of Lori in the comedian's apartment, the little ripped newspaper clipping. I mean, ev- everything crazy, crazy, crazy. That photograph, because it was also part of, you know, the filmmaking, right? We had the Watchmen headquarters and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a little easier because there was some stuff in place. The only real trick was making sure that that we pulled away the movie lighting and mimicked the flash of the guy's, you know, 4x5 camera, right? That goes pop. <laughs> so then we had to go recreate that light in the same space. But everyone understood. I mean, look, it's, if anything, it's intimidating to have an entire movie set waiting on your next move. <laughs> 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 
and and there it's just yeah it's crazy i tend to work alone and then all of a sudden there's 40 people standing around watching me do my thing very cool that was once that's done having it plastered on a movie screen is is just gravy that's just fun (laughs) <laughs> so you, you get a, essentially that's the part where you get to relax. The the uh, the anxiety was just yeah. when they want you to. You're you're they know you're burning the film. You're burning the the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in the end, I mean, you know, something like Watchmen was what a treat, man. It, it's just so visually cool, and, and uh, the the fan base afforded that book of portraits. I mean, it's stunning. And and now with Sucker Punch, the book it doesn't offer its own standalone portraits, but portraits book but it's still pretty neat pretty chock full of, of my images uh, that that really honors all of the artists and all of the people involved in something like a movie that's again an incredible experience, and I know you talked about the the third project in Vancouver as well. And again, with with the the idea of, of leaks and things like that, that you don't want to reveal too much is is quite uh, clear and, and understandable. And I don't want to get you in trouble, <laughs> but I do want to know yeah, how much. Public knowledge that Zach's next movie is, is Superman. In, in and that in that case, fire away. <laughs> But no, I was going to see. Is that is that what you're working on in in terms of of, of wanting to to produce the content? Because that's again another one where you have that visual medium where people have have photos and images to to compare to, and and as you say, you have to to be the person on the set who it might even be the the man who's behind Jimmy Olsen, the you know, it, for for the. Uh, are you still there, Clay? Call film. Why did it fail? Because it's an iPhone. <laughs> Call him back. You better be hung up on That's it. That's awful. I'm feeling so awful. Get, uh, hello? Went straight to his voicemail. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Because he said it was fine and he was, seemed like he was about to fire away. I didn't want to get him in trouble even. Ah! Try and call him back. Try and call him ah! back again. I'm calling again. Maybe he was trying to call you. Oh no! I went straight to it. I feel like an ass. Maybe his phone died. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me email him. I have full bars. I mean, it's no. He talked. He, he talked. He was. He, he. I don't think he hung up on us. No, I wouldn't hung up on us. Yeah, it sounded like you Can you pause that? Yeah. yeah, I can pause phone, but it has much better speakers than the one that I have, so I was borrowing it from a friend. And oh, that's funny. No, and then what happened was I, I plugged it in. Like, I went in back into the place where I had lunch. The nice thing about the iPhone is everyone has a charger. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so I got just enough power to be able to send you an email and then realize I just better get back here to Warner Brothers, and that's where I am. So you know sorry, man. Uh, you know what? I, I will say I'm not angry to be talking to somebody from Warner Brothers on on the set that or on this in the studio. That does seem pretty interesting, at least for the setting. I hope you I hope you don't mind if suddenly I, I build this as I talk to Clay. You know, so at the Warner Brothers studios. There you go. Context, <laughs> right? Instead of a parking lot. No, no. But I was just going to see. I, I think we when we were cut off there, and I hope it isn't too much of an inconvenience there. I know we talked about it last week as well, and uh, you were just saying that it was public knowledge that uh, the next movie that you guys are working with uh, of the W to be on is Superman and I was just going to see I mean how much you, you were able to talk about that obviously since it's in the early stages of production well I mean I can only speak from my own my own excitement 
and enthusiasm. I don't, I, you know, the, the, the project is, is uh, being made with the utmost discretion. They just want to keep it, they're keeping it low profile for good reason. Uh, so I don't, I don't know anything other than I'm going to be the still photographer on it. <laughs> you know what, that is, that is good. That is excitement <laughs> is what we're hoping to hear. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's exciting. It's it's going to be a big production. Everybody's, uh, you know, and it's it's quite a team that they've assembled, right? Christopher Nolan producing, Zack Snyder directing. Wow. You can build yourself in there and Kleinos. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm the only guy on set not making the movie. <laughs> well, no, I, I think in terms of, of, um, of comic books, uh, though, or in terms of... Uh, of the history there, it, it does seem like you, you've got a, a pretty interesting niche. Or are you kind of a, a fanboy, or, or do you kind of approach that as a fan of, of the material? I know you, you talked about how much fun it was to work on on Watchmen, or, or just really just being enjoyed. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't come from fanboy uh, sensibilities. I'm not. I didn't. I wasn't reared on comic books. I wasn't. I'm not even a big movie guy. For me, the excitement and the interest comes from the craft of movie making. There's just a remarkable assembly of talented people in this business, from from carpenters and painters to art directors, right, and and lighting gurus. That that's where my interest comes from. I do, the the content is somewhat uh, is secondary. I have to say, it's kind of you're a very lucky person, as you say. You weren't all that into coffee when you went to uh, to Central America for the first time, and not too terribly into comics. But when you get on set for the first time, it's it's for Watchmen. So. <laughs> I know, no kidding. Look, I mean, I, you know, the fates are funny, huh? Maybe they're all, they're setting me up for something terrible down the line. But I like to think I'm I'm in a good place. <laughs> I think that's always preferable, and, and again, it's just really exciting to, to have heard uh, everything that you, you talked about about this far, and I, I guess really the only reason I was, was curious about, about your involvement with, with the, the upcoming film is, is just because, again, it, it is that same situation with a, a visual medium where, where you've got things that people want to compare it to or, or fan expectations, and it seems as though you, you were saying if you, if you did have to approach it, that um, you, you do it without that. You, you do that without the worry. You just focus on, on the fact that you're, you're doing your job and just take it as if it was, again, a street corner in New York or anywhere else where you've been doing your photography. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you come with curiosity and interest. I mean, that, 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 is, that is all we can do, really. And I think it's instructive, you know, outside of the exotic land of Hollywood or even the exotic lands of, of coffee. But it's a daily effort, right? Even when I'm... Palm Desert, California. I mean, it couldn't get more suburban, bland than that. To just keep keep your eye tuned and keep your mind sharp for for something that interests you. I think that's a. It's just a nice way to go, right? I, and and this medium of photography is really conducive towards and rewards somebody who's got their mind engaged like that. Do you think they're going to get any flack on set for uh, treating you like Jimmy Olsen or something? Because essentially you're, gonna, you're the man behind <laughs> the camera. Jimmy Olsen. I, I, <laughs> well, if they cast me, that'd be awesome. No, I, I don't, I don't, I <laughs> Why not? Why not? I mean, I actually have no somebody who can know, work the camera. I have no idea. Again, that's all very far removed from me. What the, the, the thing that's fun is to think that potentially 
there's going to be a lot of need for photographs because of the newspapers, right? I don't know. It's, I mean, again, I have The no Daily Planet. It's, it's hard not to imagine. It's it's kind of a central piece to, to the story. You've had 70 years, and that's always been the venue. When, when you know that you're, you're a superhero who works at a newspaper, <laughs> you need newspaper yeah. clippings. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, all of that stuff, I have no idea. I'm, I'm excited. Look, I'm, I'm, I am just another piece of the puzzle in what will be, I am sure, a remarkable project. The the only other thing about films that I wanted to ask you about was was just what we were talking about earlier, but didn't get a chance to, to touch on is uh, that Zach is is making uh, or working with you guys and doing a coffee sleeve. What's what's he kind of like as an artist outside of the out of film? Like what or what uh, how most people oh, would know. Got him. A, he's a fabulous photographer, and he, he's gonna he wants to do something with some of his Polaroids. Oh, that would be incredible. So you say it's actually going to be a Polaroid that he's going to use potentially. Well, he's going to, well, he'll scan. He's got existing Polaroids. I, I presume he'll work from his existing collection, and we'll scan them and arrange them accordingly. That, I mean, I guess the only other photography question I might have is like that as well. Do you have a particular format that you enjoy better? I know you talked about uh, being able to paint with pixels, but uh, did, were you somebody who, who likes to do uh, traditional photography or film as well? Oh, you know, I bring my Hasselblad with me in a lot of places. I brought it on. I bring it to set with me. It's there's something sort of fun about that old-fashioned way of doing things, but ultimately terribly impractical. <laughs> it's amazing we got anything done back then with those those cameras well because then you'd have to have a little bit more than than a uh, again i've mentioned it a couple of times but the whole thing does amaze me that you were able to go through uh, a continent that is not known for having the uh, the best roads with a uh, vespa which only has two very very tiny wheels and i imagine you couldn't fit a dark room on the back either no exactly exactly no i mean we this digital revolution for photography is awesome the only problem is that the camera makers just proceed to gouge you with every new model they come out with it's criminal i have nothing good to say about about the i mean i can design a better camera than these people it's ridiculous so will we have the organic camera cartel coming out soon <laughs> right the occ what would that be it'd be uh it'd be the original clay camera <laughs> 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 I, you know what? That and that brings up the, a question that I have been wanting to ask, and and might even be the the last one here for for today. Is where did you come up with the name for the organic coffee you cartel? Know, we were on we were on the um, we we're on that trip in Oaxaca. I think there's a bus company. It's like the Oaxaca something coach company or whatever, and we just liked it. And we organic coffee. We knew we had organiccoffee.com. And it was just, it was more just kind of a fun riff among friends goofing around, looking out the window of lots of, on a road trip. And, and I like the notion of the cartel. There's, a, there's that implied fearsomeness and kind of bad behavior, right? I mean, drug cartels. I, I, I think it's kind of fun when you think that we're really in the business of being generous and creative and uh, we answer to no one and <laughs> we, we're going to do what we want because we're having a good time doing it. Do you guys get any flack? Because you do a lot of traveling. Do you get any flack knowing that uh, you're going on business with the organic coffee cartel in uh, Colombia or Costa Rica? <laughs> I usually I usually travel under the guise as a, of a photographer. I don't, <laughs> I don't really play up the coffee thing. That's too confusing. No, I was recently, just my most recent attempt to go into Canada, I was denied. Wow, so they, they did turn you down for, for that. Was it just they didn't want the, the camera the coming in? Or? No, I'm 
have no idea. It was just it was a random fluke. It was pretty funny. Actually. They have like a reputation of being polite. I'm deeply offended that Canada would keep you out. Yeah, you know what it was? I was in a rental car. Maybe it was the whole four wheel thing that they didn't. They were. I was thrown off. I I, I didn't have my best game face going into the interview. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I, I got to say, it was an absolute pleasure getting a chance to, to talk to you today about everything from coffee to, to Superman. So it's it's pretty wide ranging. and But also, as you said, you got the, the long format questions in there, which I think are important. And uh, far be it for me to have interrupted you at all because you had a lot to say. And, and that's essentially what I'd like to do. Most of um, of my interviews are, are long form like that for, for magazines or for uh, the web so that you, you can get all that information. And then we'll put multimedia bits in there if we can manage so that they would have links to some of the things that you're talking about as well and I think hopefully get a, a pretty good perspective and again uh, just I think I've really asked everything that I wanted to and I just wanted to let you know where uh, I want to come from in, in presenting the interview Alright man, hey look, feel free to follow up, I feel like uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to clarify or, or expand on anything you want and uh, I wish you the best I'm, I'm a kind Oh of no, a I absolutely want to follow up to, to pigeonhole <laughs> I would ha- I would have to agree, and and if you do start a camera company, I, I will be the first person to interview you about it. I promise. All right, rock it. <laughs> but no, I mean, would do you think it would be all right if if maybe even further down the road we had a chance to to, to talk to you in person, or, or maybe even get you on camera for for something about this? Yeah, man, happily. Well, that'd be great, and then hopefully not hunt you down in, in Palm. You were in Palm Springs last week, and I take it is DC Studios in Palm Springs? Or? <laughs> no, no, Warner Brothers is in in Burbank. I'm in Burbank now. Well, the very far flung. So when we we have to to track you down, it'll be helpful probably to shoot off an email first. But we'd love to to be able to talk to you in person, and we'll absolutely stay in touch. I got to say, thank you for your time. All right, cool. Hey, just out of curiosity, I never what what are you actually writing? This is just you're going to try and just pitch this out there to various. I do uh, exactly. I mean, I am a freelance, but the thing that that I that I have is I, I would never conduct an interview if I didn't know for certain that there's there's some place to to publish it. We have um, both student media and our own uh, website. Um, in fact, uh, we're kind of upgrading it. It's called Kind of Epic Films dot uh, com, and that's something that we're we're working with. Uh, and then also cool. I have. Um, some local Indiana publications that that have expressed interest. I was shooting up the the Los Angeles Times this week, but they shot me down. So, <laughs> uh, uh, well, keep hit, keep hitting them, man. Just it, the, the one thing I've noticed in general is you just gotta keep pounding away and stay on people's radar. Oh, absolutely. There's no chance that, that we're not going to be, to be working very hard for, for this interview. I think that's one of the, the few benefits of talking to somebody who's freelance is that this is your meal ticket, so they're going to work very hard to get you a good audience. Dig it, man. And, and also cool. very passionate about the content as well, because you, you said some important things, I think. And uh, like I said, we're definitely going to keep in touch. All right, please do. And again, if you need me to clarify or, or otherwise, let me know. All right, appreciate your time. I'm going to hang up with this smartphone, which I'm very not very adept at, so this may take a second. <laughs> All right, brother. Talk to you later. Thanks, man. Gave you to learn how to say goodbye. I'm not very good with goodbyes. I have to pause and stop the interview now, but I think we... Hey listeners, this is Micus, creator of the kind of epic theme song, Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. 
Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M-I-K-U-S, and you know the rest. All right, peace out, everyone. Keep listening.